It is the Friday edition, the final Friday of the World Cup, TGIF, the Soccer OG World Cup daily rolling into this final weekend. I know everyone's feeling nice and refreshed, right? You can recharge the batteries, we can ease into Saturday, watch the third place game, and then get settled for what could be uh, an all-timer. Of course, you gotta set the bar very low for World Cup finals, right? We can look back in the annals of history and we got so excited. The, maybe the one that comes to mind is Brazil, Italy, 1994. I was like, yeah, and then it was just, it was tough to muscle through. You know, the one in the United States, a lot of casuals tuning in probably going, I don't know if I'm gonna watch more of this sport. It was rough. 98 was good. France coming through against that Brazil team, the reigning, uh, the reigning champs. 2002, not great. Then, uh, I'm just going through them. 2006 was a weird World Cup, but the Italians had some nice moments, so uh, the final was fantastic uh, because of Zinedine Zidane's headbutt. But that was just, you couldn't take your eyes off of it. So now that I think of it, finals have been pretty good. 2010, not so great. Spain and the Netherlands. 2014, Argentina, Germany. Not great, really. 2018. Interesting. Six goals. So what we'll see. I think this is going to be, we'll get into the preview, but this is going to be, uh, for those people who like chess match, tactical warfare, you're going to love this. So the coaches are going to be a big part of it. We'll get into Argentina, France. I'm getting really excited for it, as should all of you. This is why we like the surprises. We like all those games coming through. We, we like the storylines. But at the end, oh yeah, you know what a wise man once said, the cream rises to the top. This is the Soccer OG World Cup Daily, available where in audio form where all podcasts are available. You can also check us out here on YouTube. There are our social media handles. Follow along there as we'll have extra content uh, for the next couple days and we'll recharge the batteries and we'll be back as the Soccer OG here soon enough. As always, our show is brought to you by the fine... Hold on a second. Hold on a second. I'm breaking the fourth wall here. I brought this up. To show you once again, I forgot to do it. I don't care. We're being real here. The classic bacon, the thick cut bacon, the smokehouse bacon. The fine folks at Farmer John, thank you for their support throughout this World Cup. Leave it right there. So, ah, Farmer John, available in your grocery aisle. Check it out. Start your day with a great breakfast. And remember, 7 a.m. Pacific time, third place game Saturday, 7 a.m. Pacific time on Sunday. Today, before I get, we're going to talk about the all-tournament team. So yeah, I put together an all-tournament team full of American players. <laughs> I was tempted. I was tempted to try and get one in, but who would it be? Pulisic? Matt Turner? Tyler Adams? We'll get to that, but wanted to let you know, have a very special guest joining us from Qatar, Juan Arango, who is working with Al Jazeera, has a very unique perspective. Juan knows the South American game as good as anybody in, the, in North America, certainly on the English side, uh, I cover a lot of games with him for, with the Copa Libertadores and the Copa Sudamericana. So we, you'll get a, a unique perspective. But he watches all world football as we all do. So stick around. Juan Arango, working for Al Jazeera, joining us from Qatar here in a few minutes. Let's get to the all-tournament team. Before that, let's show you the bracket one more time. And I show you the bracket. So look, the, the all-tournament team, you really have to make a semi-final to make the all-tournament team. I have 
one player, I believe, who got to a quarterfinal. I got a little cute to make it. But obviously, these are going to have a lot of French and Argentine players, some Moroccan and some Croatian players. You need to have played five games. Four games, the bare minimum. So sorry, Tyler Adams, as much as I wanted to get you in there, and Christian Pulisic, I just can't do it. Here is my old tournament team. I'm playing with a 4-3-3. There you go. Dominic Livakovic will be the goalkeeper. Teo Hernandez. I'm going to go through these positionally. Teo Hernandez of France at left back. Josco Vardiol, Nicolas Otamendi. I thought the center back pairing was pretty easy. I would imagine most old tournament teams have that. Right back pretty easy too with Ashraf Hakimi, who is was certainly in the conversation for best player in the tournament. Although... As you see, the midfield, his teammate, Sofyan Amrabat, may have pipped him as the best Moroccan player. He was fantastic in the knockout rounds. He will be flanked by Jude Bellingham and Luka Modric. Bellingham's the one guy that didn't make a semifinal who makes it. Probably easier to put some other guys in there, but I'm, you know, we try to be a little different, but I was really impressed with Jude Bellingham. Again, I couldn't stop looking at this guy. He's just, uh, just a... A body that would be like an NFL player. You could see him in basketball. It's just a statuesque, broad, unbelievable physical specimen. <laughs> so Modric alongside him. And up front, Kylian Mbappe and Lionel Messi. And I'm going to put Julian Alvarez. It has to be one of two forwards. It's either Olivier Giroud and Julian Alvarez. We'll talk about that here in a moment. So there you go. In the words of Chris Berman, read them and weep. My 2022 All-Tournament team. Goalkeeper. Let's talk about Livakovic. Two penalty shootout victories. Now, the final image of Livakovic was him conceding that penalty to Julian Alvarez, lying on his back, being winded, his eyes getting really big as he, he discovered the dark side of the World Cup. So uh, there have been both goalkeepers in the final, Emi Martinez and Hugo Loris, worthy of being here. I, I think one of them could probably... I'm giving you the all-tournament team here before the final, but one of these guys, I get the feeling, is going to have a performance that could move them to the number one spot here. But in the meantime, we're going to give Livakovic's due. You don't see a guy help a team win not one, but two penalty shootouts. So Livakovic, who, by the way, I was reading in MLSsoccer.com, and they're looking at players to possibly bring into MLS, and they mentioned him. Remember, he's, he plays in Croatia, so, I mean, this, he's 27. This is not a young keeper that's going to probably want to move to a top European club. So maybe there's an opportunity there. A couple, a couple uh, Croatian players. I'm going to talk about Josip Juranovic, who was also mentioned in that article, a right back who was very industrious and courageous. Why not him? But Livakovic gets the nod. Who would have ever thought we'd be mentioning him? as the best goalkeeper in this competition at this very late stage. The back four. Teo Hernandez is an incredible story. He had the goal against Morocco. That obviously helps his profile here. But coming in for his brother, as we told you yesterday, there are five sets of brothers in this World Cup. Coming in for his brother to, in the first game, to kind of fix a situation that was really scary. I mean, the French who already had an injury crisis, they lose... Uh, another player, and Teo Hernandez comes in and locks that down. So that's a pretty special performance from him. He, uh, he, uh, he proved that 
Uh, he proves the French are very deep, but being savvy going forward and very good back, uh, I would say Marcos Acuna was a very close second. The wide players for Argentina and what Lionel Scaloni did with them was a big part why Argentina in the final. And Acuna plays in Sevilla was uh, a fantastic uh, part of that Argentine machine. Josco Vardial in uh, the center uh, of the defense. Our final image, much like Livakovic, a bad one, as we saw Lionel Messi drag him all over the field on that, what will be one of the most viewed plays in World Cup history, and then setting that ball in for Julian Alvarez. I've looked at that play five or six times at length, and it's hard to see what Vardial could have done to alter that. Now, could he have gone to ground? Sure. But he was always on that outside shoulder. Messi had him in his pocket. Messi knew exactly what he was doing. And Gvardiol could try and force him to go to his, his other foot, but that might have required going around and getting beaten. Gvardiol tried to drag it out. The help didn't come. He could have gone for a tackle late in the game. I, I know history might be a bit cruel on Gvardiol, but I look at it, I go, I don't know how much he could have done. Maybe you disagree with me. Let me know in the comments. Nicolas Otamendi, who, by the way, has been, has been an absolute revival he is uh, playing uh, for, uh, in Portugal for Benfica. They have uh, become a, a legitimate Champions League trophy contender. Plays alongside Silva, the 18-year-old Portuguese defender. He does well there. I, I'm really surprised that we're, we're talking about Otamendi at this level. I know he's a good defender, but he always kind of was an afterthought. He also had one of the moments that, I mean, I wouldn't say it was one of my favorite moments, but certainly one that I chuckle after the shootout with the Dutch when they had the when Lautaro Martinez had the winning penalty and they started you know riding the Dutch it's all fair and he did this thing of like flipping like fish gills i don't know what that was but it made me laugh hysterically and he just did it for like 10 seconds going and that's one of the lasting images so i like that even though it may have been done in poor taste i like the fact that he did it Rafael Varane who did sit out that one game the Tunisia game he is certainly in consideration for the center back. But as I said, I don't know how you could pick another pairing other than Otamendi and Vardiol. They stood above the others. Ashraf Hakimi. What, a, what an incredible talent. Having that moment, um, certainly against the country he was born in, in Spain. Having the winning penalty. Getting up and down. Uh, this is... The best defensive player, if you want to call him that, he's a right back, but he did so much getting, he did whatever Morocco needed. And we knew being at PSG, he was a special player. I know we don't see PSG games as regularly, but man, what a talent. And I, I'm one of those. I, I try and watch as much PSG games as possible over the weekend. I watch a lot of highlights, which doesn't do Hakimi justice. Um, you got to watch more. What a spectacular talent. What a great story. I saw something where he was, at, I think, at a McDonald's slinging burgers afterwards with a smile. He also shared this incredible moment with his mother on the field, as did many Moroccan uh, players. Morocco has given us a lot of memories. I will cherish them. I hope you did too. And Hakimi, a big part of that. Let's go to the midfield. Jude Bellingham. Uh, five games. Had the goal. 19 years of age, and I love seeing the leadership roles. He was riding the refs a lot. Remember seeing that certainly against England. England, hard luck not to make the semifinals, but that's the way it goes. I know people in England will be disappointed. I know we over, always oversell England, and 
again, it's not coming home and they're going to be open to ridicule. This is an England team that I still feel have legs four years from now and Bellingham's a big reason. They've incorporated those young players. If you look at Bukayo Sako, obviously Jaden Sancho came off the rails. We're not giving up on him. But Bellingham and Foden, that next core has settled in to become that feature team in 2026. And they have a very special player, Jude Bellingham. If you're not excited to see what Bellingham does move forward, I don't know what to tell you. Sofyan Amrabat, one of the best games of the tournament for Morocco against the French. He went at the best in the world and came out on top over and over again. Talked about the play he made on Kylian Mbappe yesterday. Sofyan Amrabat, um, best player in the Serie A at this World Cup. Uh, winning ball, supporting play. It, it's, a, it's the most important position he plays. Middle of the, kind of the back of the midfield where you have to have the responsibilities, but you have to get this team moving forward. He did that. He did that in incredible fashion. Uh, I think he's 27, but Fiorentina, who had to part ways with Dusan Vlahovic, it's going to be hard to keep Amrabat in those beautiful viola uniforms. We shall see. Luka Modric. Uh, I had my doubts Modric would be as influential as he was, but he was fantastic. He knew his limitations, but the thing that I loved about Modric, Croatia was going forward. They had a lot of guys with uh, you know, Kovacic and Perisic, um, obviously Brozovic uh, up front, um, the scoring options, which they didn't you know, get enough out of. But when they needed to slow it down a bit, when they needed a whistle, Modric was always there, wedging himself between a defender and the ball, taking the foul, playing that one pass that makes all the difference. Uh, you, these players are so special because what they are capable of. Technical skill... To me, at this World Cup, felt like it had come down a bit, right? I mean, we're looking at the U.S. We know our technical level is not where we would like it to be. I don't think it's there for the rest of the world. Guys who can stop the ball on a dime, hit it short, hit it long, pinpoint it. I didn't see a lot of that at this World Cup. And that's why Modric and Messi stood apart from so many. Because he was... Um, they First of all, hats off to Zlatko Dalic, who used him effectively, but they put him in positions to succeed, had to protect him a little bit, especially Croatia got stretched with two penalty shootouts. Uh, he couldn't be there in some key positions, but Luka Modric, this is going to be his last World Cup, I think. Uh, he just does stuff that other guys can't. It's just a very special talent. So we've seen those guys through the years, Andrea Pirlo, and... Uh, he is, uh, he's certainly one of those. So thank you for the memories, Luca. And it did pretty well. What do I have? Uh, three. Uh, by the way, uh, I forgot to man- mention Romain Saiz, the Moroccan defender. He was certainly in consideration. We talked about the midfielders. Other guys that I considered, Wataru Endo. Uh, I thought the Japanese midfielder was excellent. Cody Gakpo, who's more forward-leaning. We consider him a forward if the Dutch made it to the semis, he's 100% in this roster because of what he did for the tournament. And I mentioned Juranovic as a fullback was also very good. Bruno Fernandes for Portugal, also in consideration. Um, again, didn't get to the semifinals, but had a great tournament. Let's get to the attack. Kylian Mbappe, uh, still a baby and playing at such a high level. And if he wins the World Cup, I mean, if he is the best player on a team that wins back-to-back World Cups in this modern era, 
I mean, how do you designate this guy? We're talking about Messi being the best player in the world. If we're looking at World Cups, I mean, where do we designate Mbappe at this very early stage? I mean, this is rare air, rare air indeed. Uncharted waters. I'm sorry to empty the cliche uh, tank here, but Kylian Mbappe, England had a good, uh, England had a, a good strategy to quell him. Then Morocco did, but at the end, Mbappe had that moment to set up the second goal and seal the deal. He is going to be key in the final two. He's going to look to drag that Argentine defense, which has been so rigid and uncompromising. Uh, but they have never faced anyone like Kylian Mbappe. So we will see if he can lock in the player of the tournament. I know some people want Antoine Griezmann. Antoine Griezmann's been great, but he's, I think, a reflection of what other players can do and just miss this team. I mean, but the attacking players, I mean, you're not going to get in front of Modric. You're not going to get in front of Messi. You're not going to get in front of Mbappe. So Griezmann, uh, the best of not that trio is still something that you can be very proud of. Lionel Messi, I know we've talked about him so much. I just want to distinguish, and I said it earlier, this is a 2014 Messi. People say he was amazing in that tournament. He wasn't what we're seeing now. This is Lionel Messi taking the tournament by the scruff of the neck. 2014, every knockout game, I think they scored two goals in four games. Semi-final, they didn't score against the Netherlands. Final, they didn't score. Not for lack of trying, and obviously Messi set up Gonzalo Higuain and that didn't go in. There's not much you could do about it. But Messi is scoring and being an absolute menace here. He is considerably better than he was eight years ago. I know he got to the final. As I said before, Javier Mascherano was the most important player for Argentina in 2014. That was a different team. This is a team that leads really heavily into Messi and uh, can take a goal or two because they know that they can get out of. This is the best I've seen Messi play, certainly for Argentina ever, which is, it's crazy to even say that. It's crazy to say that. But even with, coupled with how he played for PSG in 2022, this is the best Messi we have seen in five years altogether. Just highlight real Messi, best uh, uh, taking on defenders, making people look foolish. This is the best we have seen. Man in the middle. It was going to be Olivier Giroud or Julian Alvarez. Julian Alvarez gets it for me because he changed Argentina's fortunes when he started the first game, which was the final group stage game against Poland, and then started the three knockout games. He's averaging a goal a game. He makes Messi better. Messi's had all these forwards that he just couldn't align with. Great forwards. Kun Aguero, Paulo Dybala, Gonzalo Higuain, Lautaro Martinez. It just didn't work. It's working for Julian Alvarez, even if nothing happens in the final. I think Julian Alvarez or Olivier Giroud is going to score in the final. Whoever does is going to be uh, probably the golden boot or the, the golden ball, as it went. And he's going to be the tournament striker. But Julian Alvarez, star is born. He's been really playing at a high level for just two years. So we're excited about seeing him. Soccer OG World Cup Daily. There is your all-tournament team. We're going to be back with our conversation with Juan Arango. On the ground in Qatar, working for Al Jazeera, will get his thoughts on the World Cup, Qatar, and Argentina. We are back here on the Soccer OG World Cup Daily, and we go back with boots on the ground. My good friend Juan Arango, who has been covering the World Cup from beginning to end. When the end is near for Al Jazeera, that has to be, I, I do. No one works harder than Juan, but that has 
this has to be quite uh, a life experience for you to not only be uh, covering this World Cup, which has been memorable in so many ways, for better or worse, but to be also covering a World Cup in a place where everything is so accessible. What's it been? What's it been like for you? Uh, working. <laughs> oh, uh, this is his okay, first day. Let, let, this is his first day off, and I dragged him back into the work mode. <laughs> it actually is. It's my first day in twenty-eight days. It's my first day off in twenty-eight days. I've been working twenty. Uh, look, my day kind of starts backward because of, of the time difference. Every, every I kind of have to like always subtract by eight to kind of figure out where I'm at in 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 this whole matrix, if you will. Uh. I get out of my last broadcast usually is at 1.30 a.m. local. So by the time we get out, it's about 2. By the time I get to the hotel, it's about 2.30. So I go to bed around 3.34, sometimes even 5 o'clock wow. in the morning to get up again at, 11, at 10, 11 and start, you know, go to the gym, get ready. And then at 2 o'clock, start to get ready to go back into studio so I can do the whole thing again. It's been like that for 28 days straight. Uh, in terms of of what this World Cup has offered me, from a, from it's just a, a great uh, place where I've had to truly uh, be at my very best in, in terms of coverage, in terms of of giving the best possible analysis, and uh, getting getting rather close to the situation in, in many regards, in not very close in others, but uh, it, it's been a very atypical World Cup because. Uh, in the same office, I have three people going to three different stadiums, and they're maybe about 40 minutes apart from each other in, in, in a 40-minute radius, I guess you could say. Uh, you get to see the inner workings. You get to meet people that you haven't talked to for years. You get to meet new people that you've been following for years. And um, it, it's, it's, been, it's been, from a personal standpoint, it's been very rewarding. It's, it's been very uh, pleasurable to, to see people and, and find people and say, hey, I, I, I see you on Al Jazeera. I see you. I, I've seen. I heard you on on Copa Lib broadcast. Uh, you know they say the same thing about about Nigel and you and George and and Callum and everyone else. Uh, yeah, yeah. You guys are great. Um, you know, keep it up. I hope to see you next year. I'm like, I hope to see you guys too. I hope, <laughs> I hope you get to hear us I hope again. so too. Uh, we can make it three of us. Yeah. Uh, but that's yeah, gotta be. That's gotta be. I know. But that's gonna be great. First of all, just for the clarity, I mean, we have these 11 a.m. Pacific time kickoff games, which are great for us, but that means it's 10 o'clock kickoff for the semis. I'm glad for you guys it moves the final and third place game moves back uh three hours earlier, but I'm sure you're already on the clock. But what you said about everyone kind of in the same area, that's gotta help you with your your analysis. So like you have a game and there is a French journalist you want to question. I, can and go, I actually let me yeah. Let me move my computer real quick, just so you get an idea. Okay, hold on. Let's I'm do gonna it. Dis disconnect. You might see it. You might not. You see, there's nobody back there. <laughs> <laughs> I was holding my breath. You, can, <laughs> yeah. you see, right back there. Just so you have an idea, right back there, there's a hotel. Okay, right. I mean, I saw. We saw. Throw away. That's where Wales was staying. Okay, so you get an idea. Right behind it is another hotel. That's where Canada was staying. Now, if I switch, you know, just so, so you have, I can't obviously run into the lobby and show you right now. But on the opposite side, Croatia is staying there. Wow. Okay. So I mean, that's it's it's this is unprecedented. Where? Yeah, exactly. Did you see a lot of the players? It, it, I mean, or they have to be obviously pretty well security. But they're, they're yeah, the buses the buses have. You it's got to be go weird. Inside. It's got to be weird for them too. You know, you know, it, go to their it, training they, and. But, but most of the players enjoy it because uh, 
Russia and even to another extent Brazil, it was a lot of traveling for them. Yeah. They sometimes in Brazil they had to go they take the bus to the airport, then they'd have to wait for their flight, then finally their flight. Sometimes they had to travel three, four, five hours within Brazil, two or three, maybe four in Russia. The two massive well, countries, now, really. I mean, exactly. Brazil and Russia. Yeah. And and, and, the, and, and not and as we've talked about, not very well, maybe it's more for Brazil, not very well connected in many ways from the airport. Within Brazil. Yeah. 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 It's more connected from the outside in than from the inside out yeah. in, in some countries. You're, you're exactly right. And 2026, it'll be like that sometimes because hopefully no one has to travel from, let's say, Miami to L.A. or from East Coast to West Coast and back like Uruguay did in 2016. I hope that doesn't happen. Or Mexico to Seattle, let's say, Mexico City to Seattle. None of those type of four, five, six hour treks that you have to do because of geographic, you know, because of the geography of North America. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I, I digress. Uh, across the street, Croatia. From my hotel, you make a right walk about a block and a half. South Korea was there. Then you go from South Korea's hotel about another two blocks. Brazil was there. And you go another two blocks further back. Morocco is there. So, I mean, it, it's crazy to to, to kind of see that because, you know, I mean, I was in my hotel room the day the day after Wales gets eliminated and you see Gareth Bale yeah. in, in company walking out, going to the airport, leaving. You know, so it, it's, it was kind of weird to see that. You see and, less illuminated lights in the hotel. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Very strange. And then the other night uh, after after we finished work, we gathered. Uh, I don't know. Well, there's a place called Trader Vic's that's right diagonal to us. All of a sudden, it's it's filled with Croatians at 2.30 in the morning. Croatia finally comes in. And so you're drinking for the next half an hour with, with you know, Croatian fans. And and all there is playing is Croatian music. <laughs> and it was, it was it was great to see, of course, you know. And you probably was, got to see Croatia's number one fan, the Mrs. Croatia, who was uh, who well, went viral. Well, one of, one of my... One of my friends here, she works with where she's done work with Miss Croatia as far as her makeup is concerned. You know, so and she's 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 done a marvelous job with her. My my, my good friend uh, Lana over at Al Jazeera, she was working with her and she was just, you know, super when it came to the work she did with her. Yeah. But uh, no, I didn't get to see her because it was just, you know, it was like it was like you, me and 50 other guys. So <laughs> she made it. She made her presence. And, yeah. Yeah, no, 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 no. She wasn't going to make her presence. No, no, up, sorry. Yeah, you know, with fifty other guys. No, no, that's interesting. You've like, been in a football match, yeah. and we'll probably never see a World Cup like this, which is great for journalists, great for players in many mm -hmm. ways. Um, I always like the expanse as a fan from home, but they should they shouldn't have to be uh, uh, worrying about how I uh, absorb a World Cup. But still, very interesting, and and mm -hmm. it, it certainly had mm -hmm. an effect on the way the games looked. How how has that? Uh, made this tournament feel to you how has the game because i mean i've been entertained there's been some some things missing with the play so to speak um and i mean there's a there's new developments i talked about it earlier you know teams playing with less possession and being effective uh maybe a lot of analytics going in did anything affect that the way you saw the games being played the prepar the time to prepare yeah uh, some teams might have used, and I think France was one of them, that used the group stage as that preparation. Right. Because instead of like four or five days yeah. between games, you have like three days, really, in those places. Three days, yeah. yeah. Well, Argentina and, and Lionel Scaloni at the press conference uh, after the Netherlands game, if I, if I, yeah, after the Netherlands match, 
or before the Netherlands match, I should say, it was uh, after Australia, before Netherlands, he said, hey, look, it's not fair, but it's what we have to do. He only had two days between between quarterfinals and, and uh, wow. excuse me, for round of 16 and quarters. So it, it's been something that, that has been talked about. Uh, now, obviously, the, the talk is, is it going to be 32? Is it going to be 48? Is it going to be groups of three? Or is it going to be groups of four? How, how is it going to work? So, so again, it, it's it's the calendar that you saw a lot of teams come in with players uh, not injured, but it's suffering from knocks. Some, of course, did come injured, and uh, they had to find a way to get around it. Case in point, France. Case in point, Argentina, who did have a lot of players nicked up in, leading up to this tournament. But, but I think it had to do a lot with the calendar and having five, maybe a week in terms of preparation for this World Cup compared to about three, four weeks in, in previous yeah. editions. And it's crazy because, I mean... The Premier League will start next weekend. The English Championship starting. Some of the leagues obviously had a, a, a natural winter break, which helps, but that doesn't apply mm -hmm. to everyone. And hats off to uh, the footballing world that plug on. And I know it's going to have a residual effect in January, February. These players, and you just can't, I mean, you can't just internalize all of that. At some mm -hmm. point, there's a breaking point. And I'm sure teams would be smart. Like if uh, obviously with Mbappe and, uh, Messi for PSG and the La Liga mm -hmm. doesn't start a little bit. It'd be good to just say two weeks, get out. And I'm sure they already plan just decompress because the, the, these players won't be yeah. able to be able to take this. Well, look, I mean, let's go no further than, than the, it being confirmed that the, the, the club world cup is going to be in, you know, is going to be, you know, we play, being played in the month of January, February around that time. February. Uh, I'm sure Real Madrid are doing backflips going, what? what? And yeah. the players that play for yeah. Real Madrid who are all over this World Cup. Yeah. And um, I mean, not only that, Argentina, let's say Argentina win the, let's say Argentina win the World Cup just for the sake of, of this point. But Argentina win the World Cup, okay? They start playing World Cup qualifiers in the month of March. March 2023. Back to this is insanity. Yes. So, 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 so when 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 we start seeing all this, and when people start asking, and, and I've been asked this quite often, do you think Messi's coming back? I mean, the short answer would be no, because coming back to his club, said, "Look, come no, no, coming back to the national team, okay, yeah, I'll start, international yeah. play." Let's start there. As far as his club, I don't know that that I don't know because PSG is going to make an effort to try and keep him. Uh, for a not a long term, but at least a medium term type of project to to continue, you know, being able to have these big names at least for as long as they could possibly have them. Uh, but when when you say Argentina might enjoy three months their World Cup <laughs> their World Cup triumph if they end up winning it, because all of a sudden they have to start they have to start defending it basically three months later, and Crazy. Messi's going to have to travel transatlantically again, and and all these things. It, He's already said that this is taking a toll on him. He says, "I don't know if I can get to another one." So, well, they're not he's saying it, it with that in mind. He's not, they're not making it easy on him. And by the way, we talk about no. forty-eight teams. I think South America guarantees one more team, so it's not like everyone's going to qualify. It's easier, but it's not like I mean, the expansion really helps Africa, Asia. You'll get a, Argentina will qualify regardless, but it's still not a slam dunk. Yeah. So it's food for thought, certainly in the process. Yeah, yeah, but. I mean, and I, I made this argument. Is it for, okay? Forty-eight teams is going to help some teams, but 
should all teams be benefited from it? Because it, it depends on the quality of the teams as well. Yeah. I mean, the argument basically, well, it does benefit teams like, like Nigeria, like Italy, like uh, Turkey, Algeria, Turkey. Those teams that were just right at the doorstep and you, you expected them to be there and they weren't. Maybe you end up getting an Erling Holland in the World Cup if Norway can can push their way through. It's a good way to look yeah, at it. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, d- does the World Cup need? And I'm not trying to knock anybody. You know, the Solomon Islands. Do do they need Guatemala? Do they need those types of teams that, in their respective regions, they're not even in the top ten? You know, maybe, maybe that ends up being the problem when it comes to 48. Yeah. All due respect to the Solomon Islands, but. We'll, we'll have to yeah. move on. Uh, real quick thought about the final. I would love to see it through the perspective of Argentina because I know we're immersed in it. You cover uh, mm-hmm. the Primera uh, on Paramount Plus, and uh, that was the first league I ever did. So there's a romantic element from both of our perspectives and seeing Messi. We all want Messi to do it. This is, I've been so impressed by him. I've been impressed by Julian Alvarez, who we saw in diapers with River Plate emerging, and he's been a big part of this. I've been impressed with Otamendi. I've been impressed with Lionel Scaloni for hitting the right buttons. And we talked about him already. He has managed this perfectly after a, a defeat. I think Arge, I, I, I've been, I've been crapping on Argentina for this tournament. I was wrong. They, uh, they, they look to be the favorite, but this is, could be weird bounces of determined results in this world cup. And it should certainly be a possibility in the final, but uh, this is a Argentina team. I think it's better than 2014. Messi's playing better than he was in any world cup, which is insane to say. But is this the moment? It it it, it is the moment. I mean, it will. And if it isn't, that there's not going to be a moment after this, most likely. Oof, so it would that would be a so bitter it, pill for all those fans. Yeah, oh my gosh. But, but you know what? I I think it, it'll be a bitter pill, no doubt about it, because I don't think Argentina said, "Hey, we're just happy to be at the final." No. Uh, but at the end, they know that they're facing the defending champions. They're not. They're not. They're not facing just any other team. They're team. They're facing a team that's also looking to make history as well. So, with all that being said, we, we see a team that that not only has shown a great deal of development, but you had a coach that I mean, it, it's really ballsy to say, you know what? If you're not 100 healthy, you're not going to be on the team, and you're not going to play. And I'm not going to risk the results of, of what we've been able to do throughout the last three and a half years on a whim because I have to have X and Y player on there. You're expendable, and players are going to have to step up, and they have, and they've been able to respond with Lionel Scaloni. And he also has had the the courage to say, "Well, backline of four is not working. Backline of three. Backline of three is not working. Backline of five. He's been able to switch things around. Knows that Messi can drop back. Knows that he he needs a team that can defend. Knows that there's certain players. I mean, who would have thought Lautaro Martinez was going to be on the bench? Yeah, you know that you know Giovanni Lo Celso was going to get injured. And all of a sudden, Enzo Fernandez steps up. Same thing with Alexis McAllister. So you see players that have stepped up in in Argentina. Now I can say the same thing for France because you look at the players that aren't in the World Cup squad and you're like, yeah. oh my God. Well, I have Gir- people Giroud scoring saying, four goals. Remember, he didn't do that. He just big time he stepping shoot. up. Shuameni, you know, this. He didn't shoot. He didn't shoot. It's a different player. Yeah. 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 So, 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 I mean, when you see the players, you're like, oh my God. And I had player people in Al Jazeera saying, how can you pick France, Argentina in the final, especially with the the amount of players that France have lost? I'm like, look how deep France is. Yeah. I mean, you can't. I mean, these players are. You you could have a second France side that could basically at least get you to a semifinal. Incredible. Well, we'll enjoy it, Juan. I, I always love uh, 
carving out some time with you, man. Always an interesting perspective. Very smart and uh, just you're a good dude as well. So thanks for joining us. I try. Continues. I saw that. I can that tell. You, I can through. tell you've been hitting the gym. You've been looking good, man. Look at that yeah, little yeah. galan, cara galan. Dead, dead lifting, yeah, dead lifting five hundred now. So, <laughs> well done. Oh, well, I, 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 I got, I got to bring Juan G on, uh, my my friend. I, oh yeah, I, I made here in Qatar, a, a rapper, of course. Uh, over oh, I saw that. West. Been a great follow, yeah, follow, follow Juan on his social media handles I, and his I, his adventures in I, Qatar. I, I, I squat, I squatted him. Wow, he looks big. He looks like he can put up some serious weight. He, he is, yeah, he's huge. So, yeah. so he, he got shocked when I lifted him up. He's like, "Oh, damn, look yeah. at you!" So that's another story. I got other stories like the I, will, Roy story. I want to, I want to catch up on that. We will, we'll circle back here soon. But Juan not, not, and I, yeah, not, not, not okay. Some, in private, some not worthy for the podcast. Yeah, exactly. very good. I like those stories. Sorry <laughs> for the audience. I'm sorry, I'm gonna have to cut you out here. This is where we say yeah. say goodbye. Juan, uh, have a great final man, and have a great couple of days, and yeah. come home safe. Sarko G, I'll send you up. pictures. <laughs> the Soccer OG World Cup Daily. We'll be back tomorrow. We're going to wrap up this World Cup. Can you believe it? We'll see you then.